Hello, everyone, and welcome to NWR Connectivity, episode 305. I'm your host, John Reardon. Neil is out on assignment this week, but I am joined instead by Matt Zawadniak. That's me, again. And Alex DeFridis. I am also here. And we are going to talk about some news because, okay, last week I made the comment that this was a time of year where no big news happens. Uh, and, yet, and then this week came along and <laughs> probably the biggest some of, news of the entire year, maybe of like of some of the biggest news stories in gaming history. I like, right. yeah, it's a big, it was a big busy news. day yesterday. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to get to that. But first, uh, last week, Neil and I, after we announced the 3D Zelda Game Club, we went through and made our just off the top of our head ranking for 3D Zelda to sort of get that down before we replay them and see if anything moves places. Uh, since I figure both Matt and Alex will almost certainly be involved in that game club, uh, I wanted to get their rankings for 3D Zelda going in. So, Matt, let's start with you. Sure. Should I start with my my best or my worst? Uh, Neil and I started with our best, but you can go whichever direction you want. OK, so I'll, I'll start with my worst, I think. OK, I mean, yeah, screw you, too, because I want <laughs> because I want specifically because I want to make this quick point. Okay. Um, I do not think a single game on this list is bad. Every single Granted. game yeah. in this in this list of six games is is good. That being said, Wind Waker is easily the worst. Um, okay. Wind Waker. Hot takes right at the gate. So Wind Waker has a very strong visual style, and I think has one of the more interesting narratives in the franchise. But actually playing it, I yeah, I come up with the most problems um the not the least of which for me being that i don't think any of the dungeons are very good uh some of them have very interesting theming uh sure like dragon roost Roost cavern despite being just a volcano level looks very pretty for a volcano level but almost most every dungeon in wind waker is just go through a straight line through through a series of hallways where you fight three enemies and they do only a quarter heart of health in damage. And then a chest spawns that has a key move on. And that's my least favorite kind of dungeon. And almost every dungeon in wind waker is like that. Additionally, I just, as a person that likes games to be more difficult, everything in that game does a quarter hearts worth of health for damage. And it's frustrating. There's actually like a speed running glitch that I tried to use once that involves you dying first. And when I was just trying to play around with it, it took me like five minutes to die. <laughs> so it just doesn't do what I value. And while I think the, the open sailing is neat, Mm-hmm. I just don't think that there there's as much to visually see and get interested in as sure. far as like, it's hard to go like that looks cool. I want to go see that. Sure. My next up would be Twilight Princess. Uh, mm-hmm. Twilight Princess, I think, is a game that struggles with a sense of identity and being something unique. But <laughs> it is it is a game. It's 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 actually kind of the opposite of Wind Waker, where Wind Waker, I feel like very, very stylish. The uh, very good narrative, very good to to look at. Uh, Twilight Princess kind of sucks to look at and is not a very interesting narrative at all. But the gameplay is pretty pretty solid, and it has, despite the game being very similar to Ocarina of Time, I think it largely has better dungeons than Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has, I would say, better overworld stuff 
and better side quests. So I think Twilight Princess is a better game to play and Wind Waker is a better game to see. And kind of depending on my yeah. mood, they they might end up swapping. Yeah, uh, because they, they are kind of like opposite problems and opposite heights to me. Skyward Sword is my number four. It's the only one that I have never replayed. So I expect it to have the highest chance of moving over the course sure. of this project. Yeah. Uh, from what I remember, it has probably the best gameplay loop in the series where you're kind of always doing interesting dungeon like things. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very rarely as simple as just go to this spot, fight some enemies and then a chest with a key spawns. It's it's always thinking about puzzle solving it's always seeing new and cool things and people give it shit for backtracking going and revisiting old areas i don't think that's a bad thing because you're seeing new things in those areas yeah yeah they're always different every time so skyward sword i i i remember liking a lot um but it's you know it's the only one that i've never replayed so who knows where it's going to end up number three i would put ocarina of time uh, admittedly, a lot of this is carried by my interest in speedrunning and my interest in ROM hack stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But I just I can't really separate that, especially the speedrun stuff. I can't really separate it because it is still Ocarina of Time. Sure. Well, and that's uh, your experience with it. So, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, if if I had never seen a speedrun of this game, it'd probably be a lot lower on my list. But I, I just can't separate that experience. And that experience has been incredible. So seeing speedruns of that game seeing randomizers of that game playing that game at this level where i'm doing all these neat tricks to play it in this way that kind of wasn't really intended at all it's part of what that game is to me and that's that's why it's pretty high for me sure my number two is going to be breath of the wild okay breath of the wild is just like it's this game that i can name you like multiple massive problems with it that (laughs) get me really upset but the things that i like about it are like so transcendent Mm -hmm. that i cannot help but call it one of my favorite games ever like it totally totally flipped the script on open world games for me and it doesn't matter that i have huge problems with the game the way that it changes the open world genre was so significant that i can't help but love it and then my number one would be Majora's Mask, objectively perfect game, not a single Correct. flaw. Stop looking at that <laughs> flaw over there where it doesn't tell you about the inverted song of time. That's not real. <laughs> Does it not? I thought one of the scarecrows. Yeah, but why the... are you talking to a scarecrow? Yeah, Just you because can it's easily there? skip it. Well, that it All... sounds sounds like you're not fully <laughs> investing in the game if you skip random scarecrows. Also, don't That's look at fair. the bottom of the well, because the bottom of the well just kind of sucks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, it's better in 3DS. It is, but it still sucks. And Majora's Mask, I think, is like just the perfect meld of really good gameplay loop where it has great side quests, great dungeons, great a great world to explore, and also the narrative and the way that that narrative is, is affected yeah. by the time loop and how it has deeper characters than the rest of the series ever really got to have it is just the perfect game for me and yeah. i could never confidently narrow uh my my favorite games down to a single favorite game ever but majora's mask is absolutely one of the games in that conversation so all right you so you're you're not too far off from me and neil your big shake-up is that you have wind waker at the bottom 
because that mm-hmm. I think both me and Neil had that in the top three. And and I must say again, none of these games are bad. Right. Wind Waker is right. still a very good game. It's just as a at, like as a, a part of one of the greatest franchises in gaming right. history. It's a big letdown because it's just a good game to me. Yeah, uh, Alex, what you can start from either side. Sure, I think I'll I'll go from worst to best. Okay. I'm the trendsetter. So at the very bottom of my list is Skyward Sword. Okay. Uh, I did play it last year. It was, it was my second playthrough with the HD version, and it's still very, very good. I very much enjoyed it, but there is nothing that the motion controls do that the button controls can't do better, and yet the button controls are still kind of wonky and take a while to get used to. I'll kind of agree with that, even though I ranked this game higher. Yeah, and even though you have a lot of things you can do on the surface, um, and on Skyloft, I don't feel like there's a whole lot of fun exploration. I'd agree with that. Things are are pretty set. Like this is just a puzzle you need to figure out, or this is a, a side quest that you find in just the one hub in the world. Um, there's not a whole lot of things to discover, and that's what I really look forward to in a 3D Zelda game. And Skyward Sword has the least of that. Ocarina of Time is number five on my list. Classic game, very good. I haven't played it in ten years, so that's one that might be. <laughs> Um, moving up or down on the list, I, I think maybe it might go down. I don't know. Just because of what everybody's already been saying on, on the Discord that maybe has aged a little bit worse after all these years. But it's still a classic. It's just not super fun to explore in that one as well. I'm not sure if I agree with that. It's, it is still fun, <laughs> but, there's, but there's, there's not as much stuff as, like say, Majora's Mask or Wind Waker, which are higher yeah. up on the list. After that, Twilight Princess, I like it a lot. I think it is like aesthetically taking a whole lot from Ocarina of Time and maybe not doing enough of its own thing, except for all like the little Western stuff it does in Kakariko. I really like mm-hmm. that stuff a lot. Yeah, that part's like weirdly good. It really is. I, but it, it's also like despite the HD uh, remaster, it's it's like aged the worst visually. Yeah, that's the anytime you try to do something even vaguely realistic, that's the the problem you're going to hit. Mm-hmm. Though I do think that the the model for Link is incredibly good. And I think it's there's yeah. a reason why it's been the go-to since it came out in 2006. Yeah, I, I think the art style ages better than age better than it gets credit for, but it is also probably responsible for Super Smash Bros Brawl having its disgusting art style. Yes. So. It's also it's hard because it it is obviously going to get compared to Wind Waker because that was its, you know, its platform mm-hmm. brother. Uh, and that one's visually has aged so well. Yeah, Wind Wind Waker is the kind of game that you literally just need to put it in HD and uh, yep. it, it looks fantastic. So instead of doing that, they made it look like shit. <laughs> yeah, they made it look. Yeah, I don't think it looks bad, but it definitely looks there were some choices made. Yeah, and I don't think Twilight Princess like the art style is bad. I think there's some very interesting things going on with the art style, even if like some of the characters look really, really weird. I really like that, actually. I think on GameCube, it looked like at the time it came out, I remember thinking it looked really nice. Sure. I just think like the textures and yeah, uh, just, just like the, the geometry looks kind of grody now. Yeah. Which the HD version more or less fixes. Yeah. I don't know. I think some of the smearing and like it, uh, low res. It does a decent job with most textures. They didn't do a lot with updating geometry. Yeah. Um, the geometry is really the thing that bugs me in the HD remaster for sure. Yeah. 
don't play Xenoblade Definitive Edition then. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> that's that's another like like the materials are incredible. The geometry outside of people's faces is pretty much the same. Yeah. And I, and this is very much like nitpicking. It's, I still think Twilight Princess is very good. Um I love the dungeons of Twilight Princess. I think mm-hmm. I think aesthetically the dungeons are probably maybe the best of the series just uh how varied they can be like the you know the mansion on um snow peak and the temple of time those are big standouts for me i think scoured sword is in the running for sure in that regard but twilight princess is very strong and there is stuff to do and explore but it's also like way too empty so uh twilight princess is more of a game that i enjoy crit pathing than i enjoy mm-hmm. like spending a whole lot of time doing extra stuff for fair Majora's Mask is next. That's the one that I beat finally last year in December. And oh my God, that game is incredible. <laughs> it, it holds up incredibly well. I did play the 3DS version. I'm sorry, Matt. The 3DS version is still fundamentally Majora's Mask. I, th- yes. I, I think it fucks up some pretty critical things, but it, it doesn't make it a different game. It's just the one thing in 3D Zelda that me and Matt can like really disagree on. So we have to make it an issue. Sure. Yeah, and also law. like... It it upsets me particularly a lot because one of the things that people complain about the most for Majora's Mask is that the time limit is difficult to manage and the 3DS version makes that worse. So like if that's a sticking point then for, for you, then this is objectively just a worse version. Sure. I do I don't think that the the time management is an issue unless you're in a dungeon. And to be honest, I feel like the stray fairies do more to screw up running a dungeon than the limit on 3DS does. <laughs> Finding yeah. all those stray fairies is is a chore. <laughs> I, I never get those the first time through a dungeon unless I like I, I usually just would go back and. Oh, really? I, I hate trying to do like a dungeon from the beginning to end all over again. I would. I, yeah, would I, us- I usually try to get them the first time through, which is yeah. easier with the mask. And there's only yeah. two dungeons where the stray fairies are actually worth it. Did you guys know? And I guess if you just play the 3DS version, it, this will only come up if you looked for a guide. But did you guys know that they moved the fairies for the 3DS version? Yes, I did. I think I did. Yeah, because that was I remember going through that and getting to one dungeon and being like, I'm just going to look up a guide real quick. I don't have a lot of time left. I want to just get these really quick uh, and pulled up a guide. And I was like, none of these fairies are where they're supposed <laughs> to be. But it's they did it with the fairies and the bombers in uh, in Clocktown. Most of the bombers are in the same place, but they wanted to ha- they changed it so that like there there were like more balances to where you find the bombers. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's one of those things that just it's so it was such muscle memory for me that I went on top of the roof to get the one that gets away with the chicken and he wasn't there. And I was like, what's going on? <laughs> uh, I, I guess I'll just wrap up with Majora's Mask and say that I agree with Matt that the side quest stuff is is incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I it kind of feels like a different game than other 3D Zeldas. Yes, like mm-hmm. maybe a better comparison would maybe be like Shenmue or Yakuza where like you're just kind of running around mm. this one town and um, running into interesting characters and resolving conflicts in their life. It's also just got like a lot of heartrending individual moments. Like oh, I think a lot yes. about yeah. the the sword master that you go to like for the sword tutorial it, on uh, in the final hours, like after midnight of the final day happens. Uh, if you go to the, the sword dojo, 
and like he there's a sign up saying that he's gone on vacation and you know he's just not around but if you Mm -hmm. like go behind that and look in the back room he's just there crying and panicking over the end of the world and (laughs) it's just like moments like that are the ones that 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 i really think about all the time yeah and the mailman is like he's he's just a guy who's doing his job and he doesn't feel like he can leave like he doesn't feel like he can do something to protect himself and that resonates a whole lot more when you're living through a pandemic and there's a lot of people who are just like <laughs> i need to go to work yeah, yeah i can't just not do my job because i need to worry about tomorrow i can't worry about the world ending mm-hmm. and you see that a lot with the the postman and uh romani and, and kremia like it's it's just it's very affecting and the you know i i remember being on the last day looking around talking to characters and you run into muto who's just kind of like laughing oh, it's like so good. yeah uh, if you know if you're gonna fall already fall he's 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 says that line of dialogue i'm like what are you talking about and then i point the camera and the the moon's like right there the moon <laughs> is basically in his face about to touch the ground and he's like fall already and Which, once again to your point <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> having been through the pandemic, that's a realistic reaction. Yeah, yeah, people like, really like it, playing that. You know, at the, the end, whole, of last the whole year. subplot of Muto and like the the carnival, and it's like, no, we we need this for the economy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, it's the, so the, real. The Nile is very real, especially in the face of something that's going to end like the world. Um, because it's hard to think about the end of the world when you just have to think about like putting food on the table. Um, yeah, that was, that was pretty powerful. And there's some, there's a bunch of other stuff that we could get into. And obviously we can get into that on the Majora's mask episode. Uh, number two on my list is wind waker. This one might move as well, but I have huge nostalgia goggles. This was my favorite game for the longest time up until breath of the wild came out. Like my favorite game of all time. I just have a lot of treasured moments playing it with my <laughs> older brother. I have a lot of nostalgia for that music. Uh, I, I enjoy that art style. You know, I, I was never, I, I knew about Ocarina of Time, but really Wind Waker was my first 3D Zelda game. Um, but I will concede that the dungeons are not, are not as strong as Skyward Sword or Twilight Princess, but I really enjoy exploring the world and filling in that map. I feel like filling in that map is just a lot of fun from just like a, like a little completionist thing to do. Same thing with the bomber's notebook on 3ds for Majora's mask. Uh, that was just a whole lot of fun. And I, and I think I'll probably do another completionist run for wind waker when we get to it. But that world is just so charming. And it's one of the issues that I'm having with the link to the past is that none of these characters are a lot of fun. I'm playing Link to the Past right now, by the way, side note. And they're just not like a whole lot of fun to interact with. And Wind Waker, like every character, is full of life. Uh, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, it does feel it does feel like something happened around around Majora's mask where suddenly the writing in Zelda got like a lot better. Yes. Yeah. I need dancing characters in shops. That's something <laughs> yeah. I need in a Zelda game. And Link to the Past will not give me that. Um <laughs> you should play Cadence of Hyrule. Sure, I yeah, I absolutely should. A lot more dancing should. shopkeepers. Uh, and then number one is Breath of the Wild. That is that game like encapsulates what I want a 3D Zelda game to be. I want to just explore every nook and cranny and find something interesting. And the the open air design, 
I know the music doesn't get a whole lot of love, but that sound design is incredible. It feels like you're outside despite being indoors. And it's it's beautiful. And discovering things is always a treat. Um, the, the one trouble... <sighs> The one thing that's going to be troubling is going to be going back to that world after already playing it (laughs) because once you've already found everything and you kind of know the map, then the magic is a little bit gone the second time around. So I can say having replayed it at least uh, a bit myself is that you do kind of find that magic again, especially when it's been a little bit of time. Um, yeah, because your your mem it's never quite the same as discovering things for the first time, but you have this sense of, oh, I recognize this. I I want to do this thing and like relive this moment. Yeah, because that's kind of what I had like with uh in the in the snow mountain where you find the, the corrupted dragon at the start. Mm-hmm. It's like I went there and it's like, oh, I remember what's here. I wanna I wanna see if I can do this right now. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm I hope that rings true for my experience as well because that first time was was just so so good uh and i'm so excited for breath of the wild too are either of you guys planning to do when we get to breath of the wild for the game club are either of you guys planning to do the master quest mode i i'm in the middle of a master mode playthrough right now okay it sucks (laughs) a lot i i yeah i can see that i'm just like i haven't i haven't played all the way through it on master quest mode so i'm tempted i wish it mirrored the game (laughs) that might make it feel different yeah maybe it's so it's like you know like all those problems that i have with like the combat and everything it's like what if like they mattered because now the combat was brutally difficult and you had to play optimally yeah yeah because enemies heal up they do and also your weapons break a lot faster yeah so it's just like for a good chunk of the game you just can't fight you just can't well yeah i think they're kind of pushing you to use the environment you can't because the enemies heal too fast oh yeah okay like i've tried you can't yeah i i should play through that version for game because i feel like i i want to talk to you about it on a at a level where i understand it better than the amount because i pretty much i did like the great plateau and a little bit pat like i might have got to the first dungeon but I haven't played that much of it. Yeah, I think I, I also did a a little bit of master master mode, master quest. I forget what it was called um, in the Great Plateau. I think I maybe got past the Great Plateau. By the mm-hmm. way, the Great Plateau, fantastic tutorial. One Great Plateau is is arguably a game unto itself. Yes, mm-hmm. I remember getting it like booting that game up for the first time, seeing the size of the Great Plateau, and being like, "This could be a game by itself." Like in master mode, it has a silver lionel. Yes, it does, which I think you found stupid. And I think I laughed maniacally to myself and said, that's wonderful. It's a funny joke, but it's also like kind of aptly telling you up front never to bother fight fighting anything. I I would I would find it to be a lot more of a funny, hard game joke if like the entire game didn't feel like fighting that silver line. Sure. I feel like environmental damage should just be buffed in the next game. Yeah. I think I think Master Quest probably to you just got to get really good with bombs. You can't you can't you physically cannot use bombs fast enough because the enemies will regenerate. Health. Can't you upgrade the bombs? It's you can, still not enough. 
All right. You have to alternate between the two bombs. If you alternate between the two bombs, you're going to be able to deal enough damage over time. That is, in fact, the only way to to (laughs) do more damage with the bombs than we'll heal. I'm going to do a bomb-only run of master mode. I invite you to try. That's That's how I actually beat Heaven Tide is uh, alternating between the two bonds. Yeah, I'm a big bomb fan. Speaking of big bombs, no, that doesn't work because it did well. Anyway, already banjo, time for the banjo kazooie news. Oh, that's yeah, actually what we're doing. I was making yeah, a funny I, I'm, joke. I'm not. Tr- I have no idea how to go from Master Quest Zelda to to banjo kazooie, but we're here now. So banjo kazooie is coming out on Nintendo Switch Online Plus expansion pack uh, on Friday, which is probably the day this comes out. So maybe the day you're listening to this. I don't remember what time NSO updates at, but I I feel like it's kind of late in the day if I remember right from Paper Mario. I mean, it's the it's the same day as the Hitman 3 update, so who even cares about Banjo? Will that update affect the cloud version for Switch? You know, I don't actually know. <laughs> it's adding new content. I don't know if they're bothering to add it to the Switch version. We should pester Jordan to boot that back up. I'm pretty sure yeah. he did the review. Is there new stuff? <laughs> but it's, I mean, Hitman's coming to Game Pass. Yeah. Legitimately incredible. But yeah, Banjo. Banjo. Yeah, this game, I distinct. Okay, so weird, weird John history and lore for Banjo-Kazooie. I grew up in a very Christian household, especially when I was younger. Uh, My family was uh, Baptists and my parents were very concerned about buying me video games that had magic. So Mm. me getting Banjo-Kazooie, which had a witch in it, was like a pretty monumental moment in my life. So this game will always have a, a special nostalgic value for me, even though like I think in the in the ranking of 3D platformers, I don't actually know if it's that good or if I'm just extremely nostalgic for it. Because <laughs> like, I don't know. There, it- I think that it is that good, I would say. Okay. Um, my opinion is that I, I think that Banjo-Kazooie is kind of a better game than Mario 64, with the caveat that Mario 64 existed when they started making Banjo-Kazooie. Uh, they had Mario 64 as a template, so right. that made it a lot easier for them. But I would say that right right now, modern day, Banjo-Kazooie is a better game to play than Mario 64 is, and I'm, I feel pretty comfortable saying that because it's... It's just kind of more more interesting. It flows better. It feels very very good at like a mechanical level. Mm-hmm. I think that I I think that it is quite is as good as its reputation. Its sequel isn't. No, Banjo Tooie sucks. It sure does. Yeah, like close to Donkey Kong Country sixty four levels of suck. Maybe more, and Ooh. also came after Donkey Kong 64, so they should have right. known better. Right. When we were doing Banjo-Tooie for Smash to Pieces, there was a moment in one of my final streams where, like, you just look in my eyes. I, I'm clearly dead inside, and I just, <laughs> I, I, after a long pause, I whisper into the microphone, Rare should be stopped. And then Joe in the chat said they were. Yes, they were. <laughs> uh, Not before they could make Grab by the Ghoulies, but they were eventually stopped. <laughs> But yeah, Banjo One, it's it's solid. It feels good, and it's a pretty good pace, pretty good length. Like, yeah, you can hundred percent that game as fast as it takes some games to play at all. Sure, Alex, did you have you played Banjo Kazooie? I have not. Okay, are you gonna? <laughs> um, 
I've got some bad news about the N64 version specifically. Oh, it's fine. It's just maybe not the best version. I might fool around with it for like 20 minutes. Bleh. If I'm completely honest. Bleh. I'm playing through <laughs> A Link to the Past. I got to play Ocarina of Time. I got to play Final Fantasy Tactics. It's just a lot on my plate right now, game wise. Well, here's a take. Banjo-Kazooie is a better game than A Link to the Past. Hey, I can believe that. So I can believe stop that. Stop playing that and play Banjo-Kazooie. <laughs> or play the ROM hack of Banjo-Kazooie that recreates the Ocarina of Time map in the Banjo-Kazooie gameplay style. Oh, interesting. Are there like stuff to collect? Yes. Okay. Oh, but Matt, run me through. So you mentioned when I brought this up before we started recording that there was a high note, high score difference thingy between yeah. this and the Xbox version. Explain that to me because I am not aware of this. You know how the notes are like permanent collectibles? Like you, mm-hmm. you need, they're like bananas in Donkey Kong 64. They're not quite coins because they're more important. You need them for progression. Mm-hmm. So in any sensible game, you pick up a note and then you have that note. In Banjo-Kazooie, you pick up a note and then it counts towards your high score for that level's notes. And if you die with 20 notes, every note respawns and your high score is now 20 notes. So outside of that world, only 20 notes count. Okay. And you need to collect all 20 of those notes again before you can make any more progress towards your number of notes. And to finish the game, you need like 90% of all notes in the game. So in the Xbox version, do they stay like once they're got, they stay got? Yes. Okay. Boy, I never noticed that. Also, the Xbox version has like a stable frame rate, which is crazy. Well, yes, it also plays in 4K on the Series X. Uh, I I that's I feel very conflicted uh, about this game coming to NSO because the Xbox version is just dramatically better. And like, I mean, at the same time, if I'm playing on NSO, I want the N64 version. But if I'm going to like, I expect the people who own this game to have the best version of the game. Yeah. Can we just patch in the note thing? That's all I'm asking. We can't patch in fog, dude. Like we're not patching in. <laughs> anything <laughs> apparently paper mario blows up if you hit a tree too hard like no it's, it's not that they can't patch in fog they patched out fog where they they pat the fog is yeah it's there <laughs> technically it's just not where it's supposed to be and in the correct density there is fog i'll play banjo kazooie when toys for bob remakes it how about that sure that'd be fine maybe then they'll uh address the horrifically racist Native American character. Oh, yeah. I mean, she was still in it as of nuts and bolts. Yeah, but they totally changed her to like a like a cowboy. In nuts and bolts, I've I've only seen a picture of her, but I don't think that I'm pretty sure she is still very much. Oh, what's her name? Humba Wumba. Oh, God. Okay. See it. Yeah. I guess, okay, sometimes she has a cowboy hat. Yeah, she's, okay, she's a little better in Nuts and Bolts. As long as she doesn't still refer to things as Big Heap, which uh, Urban Dictionary describes as, quote, a mildly racist way for Native Americans to call something big. Yeah, listen. (laughs) (laughs) I blame, I blame the British. This is, this is clearly a British problem. That's Banjo-Tooie. 
Yeah. Banjo Kazooie only has mumbo jumbo, which is only kind of racist. Well, and he's like, the thing about him is that like it's vague on whether he's even like a human. Yeah. Which makes him a little bit less of a very clear stereotype. Like he mm-hmm. he definitely still is, but it's a bit <laughs> less on the nose. It like yeah. there's that degree of separation that you can get in there. That mm-hmm. makes it better. Do you think that's why there have been no more Banjo Kazooie games? Is I Xbox don't think is just why. like Rare's racist. Yeah, just don't use those characters again. It's very, very simple. Well, you can, you can't. You have to use Mumbo. Like it, you can get away without using Humba Wumba. Like she's not a critical character. Just have like, but who who's the mole? Bottles. Just he's have dead. Him. That's well, true. Like, why did Bottles die and not this racist character? Technically, Bottles is alive again. Listen, Bottles straight up dying at the beginning of Banjo-Tooie is the greatest (laughs) because (laughs) like like Banjo-Kazooie is a little bit like, you know, it's got some crude jokes in there, but it's not conquer. Like, it's definitely still like a kid's game. And so for Banjo-Tooie to open and they just kill Bottles is one of my like the rest of that game sucks. But that is one of the best openings to a game ever. And the way they handle him in Nuts and Bolts, too, is that at the end of Banjo-Tooie, you bring him back to life. And then uh, at the start of Nuts and Bolts, you learn that his wife left him. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Nuts and Bolts is especially... Okay, so I I replayed a good chunk of Nuts and Bolts on Series X where it doesn't suffer from loading times and looks incredible. That's like... That's a pretty good game that just did not get love they should port that to switch i need the pc port although wait is that on xcloud yes okay i can play it then you you can stream it Uh, play it well uh, is xcloud the one that comes with game pass yes yeah but xcloud is the streaming one yeah like i don't think you can play it natively on your computer no but i can play it in some way yeah, I mean, you just buy a 360 for like twenty dollars. If I'm buying an Xbox, I'm going for a Series X. It's not Hold worth on. buying old That's shit. True. Is Aku Aku racist? What the fuck is an Aku Aku from Crash Bandicoot? Oh, oh, probably. I mean, I mean yes. Uh, okay, but like, it's one of the yeah, it's one of those things where I don't know. <laughs> like, it was a different time. Isn't actually <laughs> an excuse for racism. Sure, but like you do have to take that into account yeah when yeah when you're looking at that stuff mr and game like, and watch learned that the hard way yeah <laughs> yeah but, but at the same time like i like banjo kazooie so i'll be like oh like that's a different time with crash bandicoot i'm like no it was always very racist it was a horrible game <laughs> that really no one should have ever supported from noted bad publisher activision Yo. <laughs> no. yeah speaking of activision we can get to this part of the show so for anybody who until recently has been dead <laughs> like bottles. Yes. Microsoft has entered into an agreement. It's not final yet, uh, but they've entered into an agreement with Activision Blizzard King to purchase the company for roughly 70 billion. It's like what? Six point or sixty eight point seven billion dollars. They just didn't want to make it sixty nine. Yeah, it was so close. So close. So, yeah, this is the biggest like all gaming acquisition. Like they're not buying anything that isn't 
video games. So this is the like the biggest all gaming acquisition in the history of forever. For comparison, Microsoft bought Bethesda for what was it like nine point one billion? Uh, Disney bought Lucasfilm for fifteen billion, I think. Um, those numbers are going off of memory, so I could be wrong. Well, and also Disney bought uh, Fox for seven point. 71.3 billion which yeah i think disney buying fox is like the benchmark for pro- the biggest corporate acquisition ever and this comes close yeah though fox is a larger brand i mean as far as like the types of things that represents them purchasing yeah but it, well so that's also like in itself is kind of like a weird point of comparison where it's like it's almost the same amount of money but like how can you can't possibly make back that much money just from making video games? They've got to be doing something bigger, right? Well, yeah, so that's there's so many there's so many directions to approach this from um, like there's the is it good? Is it bad from multiple directions? There's a why did they do this direction? Uh, there's a like, does this matter to Sony direction? Like there's so many aspects of this. Um, so I guess we'll pick one <laughs> uh, <laughs> as as for why. Like, I think obviously with Activision, the big thing for why Microsoft would want them. Call of Duty is consistently one of, if not the top performing game every year. This year, I think, was different. This was a particularly bad year for Call of Duty. But even if it's a bad year for their like actual release, Call of Duty Warzone is still doing insanely well. Like, I don't like Call of Duty, but like as a brand, it is an extremely valuable brand that Microsoft could now if they want to make exclusive. I don't think they will. I think they will eventually. I think so. I think, yeah, because currently uh, Call of Duty sells way better on PlayStation, PlayStation than it does on Xbox. I think that if they were to hit a point where it was selling better on Xbox, then, yeah, make it Xbox exclusive. But right now. Making it exclusive, like, I don't think you're going to sell enough Xboxes to make up the money you would have lost by not selling it to PlayStation. I think it depends on what exactly it looks like when Call of Duty is day one on Game Pass. That's true. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Because that effectively guarantees that if you own both an Xbox and PlayStation, well, you're not getting Call of Duty. You might as well play it on Xbox. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. And then there's also there's the delightful potential of the next crash or spyro game being xbox exclusive which is just funny implying there was going to be one listen they made a crash 4 they better make a spyro 4 because crash sucks and spyro is good why did you make a crash 4 (laughs) when spyro was right there i would actually say that right now is the most likely time that for that to happen like my Microsoft trying to like get some goodwill, be like, look, I know you guys you want you're a little worried, but here it's your favorite games, right? We bought them to save them. Do you know what Xbox loves? Xbox hmm. loves social media posts where they have a bunch of iconic characters standing next to each other. <laughs> and yeah. you know what would help with that? A new Crash and Spyro game. Because yeah. even if they don't generate the most revenue, they're iconic and they're good yeah. to have. Here's a fun bet. Do you guys think Overwatch 2 will be out by the time this deal closes? No. No. No, no, <laughs> it's not even a bet. Do you think they've started work on Overwatch 2 yet? Breath of the Wild 3 might come out before Overwatch 2. <laughs> yeah, 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 we'll get a Xenoblade X remake first. The, the nice thing about this is it like so 
we'll move to a different angle on this. Um, there's a lot of talk about whether this is a good thing or a bad thing. I do think like and we talked a little bit about this before the show. It's this is a very weird instance where. Because Activision as a company was so horrendously terrible to the point where they were being sued by the state of California for just being shit. There is an element of this where Microsoft buys them. It seems like reporting seems to indicate that once Microsoft does finish the purchase, that uh, Kodak will be out. So there's an element of this where it does make you feel better about buying Activision products. But does that outweigh uh, any fears of Microsoft? Like the, the word monopoly has been thrown around. I don't think that's quite fair to where we're at right now. No, but does it? Does the good that this could potentially do for Activision outweigh the fear of of Microsoft just acquiring incredible percentages of video games in general? What do you guys think? I think it's a very complicated question because we're talking about Activision. Because the simple fact is that when you have a corporate merger, especially one that is this big, employees will be negatively affected. There will be layoffs. Cuts Mm -hmm. will be cost. Uh, it, it's just a simple fact that this usually is not a good thing for the employees at the grunt level of the of the company. But Activision was in such a particular position of being a, a toxic work environment that was being awful to its employees that, like, maybe this is still better. And it's not cut and dry in that in the regard even that they'll be better under microsoft because like they've been fighting for unionization that's dead under microsoft pretty much yeah. there's there's no chance of that happening now but pretty much objectively they will be working for a company that gives more of a shit about them right bobby kotick will probably be gone it's he'll probably leave with a lot of money but he will at least be gone yeah, Wh- yeah. which is it sucks, but that's probably the only way it was going to happen. Right. Yeah, we'd we'd rather he left being dragged by his legs through the street while people threw things at him. But like, yeah, short, short of being gone. arrested, there was nothing that was going to get out, get him out of that chair without millions of dollars. Yeah, that board but, was not budging. No, uh, which sucks that that sucks. But it is reality, unfortunately. And. It's a it's a complicated situation, really. I do. I don't think that it's all bad. And I also don't think it's all good. It's just Mm -hmm. very weird. Yeah, it this is something that was never even on my bingo board. No, there was no indication that this was coming. This was you just woke up and it was like, wait, (laughs) Phil Spencer did say they were reevaluating their relationship with that. They sure did. (laughs) They yeah. Have you guys seen that Simpsons quote where like uh, it's like I think it's like a, a commercial for insurance in the show or something. And like the guy, the guy's like in his car and the narration says, have you ever been driving past a fire and thought, how can this benefit me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that so, is, yeah, it's 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 very clear to see exactly how and why Microsoft ended up in this spot. Oh, yeah. It's just such a big move. Yep. We've never seen a move of this scale within video games. We've hardly seen it anywhere. Yeah. But but it, video games, yeah, yeah we've this never is seen anything like this. Move. Right. And I think a lot of people have responded like they're 
there have been people who have wondered like should is sony going to respond to this like is sony going to do anything is sony going to purchase anybody there's going to be an arms race of purchasing up all these publishers i think a really crucial thing to remember is that while xbox may be kind of seen as the third place console for the last couple generations microsoft as a company is way more successful than sony is Oh, yeah. Yeah. Microsoft is is not just a video game company. And in terms of the greater corporate entity that is Microsoft, they probably outclass Nintendo and Sony combined. Right. Yeah. Microsoft is up there with, you know, like the Googles and the Amazons. Like that's that's the tier they're operating at. Xbox is a side project for. Right. Yes. Xbox is a thing they do for fun and like occasionally throw 70 billion dollars at. Meanwhile, PlayStation is the only part of Sony that's yes. getting any right. results. Right. Yes. PlayStation is the life raft floating on the surface that the rest of Sony is hanging to underneath the water. Like, yeah, the way I explain it to people is that for Nintendo, video games are everything. Their IP is everything for mm-hmm. Sony. PlayStation is the only thing that's working for Microsoft. Xbox is just like the side project that they're doing for fun. And I think that we've kind of seen like, I think that's why Xbox has been kind of experimental and weird this generation is like they know what they're doing isn't quite working but they have the money and the leeway to kind of just go i guess we'll try this and it's worked for them so far i appreciate that that is what's going on because it has led to some very big shakeups in the gaming industry as the result of xbox game pass Mm -hmm. is huge (laughs) like game pass changes a lot 70 billion dollars though is a lot like that's Mm -hmm. That's not just like, oh, let's try this side project and see what happens. That's like we're making a move that will affect the entire company. Yeah, right. And I I just I don't I don't see how like it's very obvious how purchasing Activision is good for Xbox, but I don't see how that's good for Windows. I don't see how that's good for Office. I mean, I can see how it's good for PC because Microsoft is, I think, looking at like PC gaming and their Xbox gaming. They want that to all be one brand. And and so Activision games are just as much for the PC market as they are for the console market. As far as Microsoft is concerned, I still see it as being like that's that's the kind of money that you give you give when like you're affecting every branch of your business, not just video. games. I mean, it's all relative, right? Like, I mean how much money do they have? <laughs> like it, it's, you know, <laughs> yeah. if, if, if you only have $10, then spending $9 is a big deal that really needs to pay off. If you have a hundred dollars and want to spend $9, that's a bit less of a thing. I don't know how much money Microsoft has, but I don't think you just throw around $70 billion unless you have a bunch more money. <laughs> yeah. Some of this feels like an impulse purchase. Like, were they talking about this two years ago even? Well, I do. I mean, to like, to the comment about, you know, Activision is in a position where this is a lot easier. I do think this was the cheapest they were ever going to get. Yeah, no, they were on sale. Right. (laughs) Like this is was a good like this was a like everything must go half off sale. Um, And I don't like I I don't think you can undervalue Call of Duty for one thing. And then Mm -hmm. another thing is that Activision is one of the like original video game publishers. Like they were around on Atari and so like like we look at it and we can say like, oh, Call of Duty, Overwatch, Spyro, Crash, Tony Hawk. But Activision's library is like the things you can pull from that library go back a really long ways. Like they could easily do an Activision replay like they did with Rare 
with that level of just stuff from Activision's past. Finally, we can play Pitfall. I just Googled yeah. it to check. $70 billion is Microsoft's operating income for 2021. Okay. So, like, that is a substantial amount of money for them. It does seem like... I, I, I think Xbox One hurt them. Like, because Xbox One did not do well. No. They were coming off of 360 where, like, they were the PS2 of that generation. Like... 360 was was an extremely successful system, especially for their second system ever. And I, I don't think they want to do Xbox One again. And I think on some level they know that they have the money to just not have that happen again. Because even if even if they make none of these games exclusive, they never make another Spyro game. They never make another Crash game. What they have done is in your head, you now realize, OK, all of those games are now Xbox games, so I need an Xbox for those, even if that doesn't wind up playing out. They've also, Sony's stock plummeted. Even if they don't do anything with this, they've done damage to their competition just by making the purchase. It doesn't matter if all that stuff stays multi-platform. They've already yeah. done damage to their competition. It's an insane power move, but I kind of think that's what it is. It's just a flex i don't know i i i just can't look at that amount of money and see it as as just like for, for a laugh like, i mean I don't it's, know. A, it's it's a gamble you're looking at sony and you say like i can do this and you can't it's kind of daring the rest of the games industry to be like what are you gonna do about it and it's it's granted it may not pay off for them but i mean it is a huge move but activision is probably the most profitable Video game publisher up there with like EA. Yeah. I mean, just between Candy Crush and Call of Duty, that's yeah, billions of dollars just right there. Between Bethesda and Activision, with you know, adding on like Call of Duty and Overwatch to this, Microsoft really owns like every major first person shooter at this point, which is kind of like, I mean, Sony, <laughs> Sony during, doesn't own any. Right. And like Sony during the like early PS4 era, I remember a major selling point for the PS4 was do you want to play baseball? And then you buy a PS4. And Xbox kind of has this thing of like, like no, there's like, if, if they were to make Call of Duty and Overwatch exclusive, they kind of have this thing of like, you want to play any game where you shoot a dude with a gun? You have to buy our system, which yeah. is like a lot of gaming, especially in the West, which is the only place Microsoft, <laughs> or at least Xbox, really even tries to compete. Like they yeah. aren't really going for Japan. So they, they are to, like, they try like this. We target an American audience. Americans like shooty, shooty games. So they bought all of the shooty, shooty games, which is a, a bold move. But it, I don't know, it kind of it makes sense in a way, I think. Maybe will it ruin gaming forever? Who knows? I mean, bit corporate mergers like this are never good. I can tell you that for sure. But yeah, but it's also like we were already at the point of being like, maybe Activision should just die. So. Right. Yeah, it's a weird I'm trying. And that's what I've been trying to kind of do in my head is I'm like, OK, what what's another company that if they had bought, I wouldn't I would have a different opinion. I was trying to think of like back to like Bethesda because I kind of like Bethesda, but something about that didn't feel this. And maybe it was just the money, but something about that didn't feel as big of a an issue. The thing about it for me is that I, I do see corporate mergers like this as a bad thing because it does negatively affect what can happen in the industry what games can get made now but yeah. it's like 
is this worse than if Activision, like every game they ever made just disappeared? Because right. with the way that Activision was going, yeah. that was like almost what we were hoping for. Right. So morality doesn't matter because they slayed a, a much bigger demon. Right. Yeah, it's a very specific use case where like maybe this is good. <laughs> but yeah, because the three options are Activision dies and we lose all those franchises and games getting. Well, like, don't, THQ the- Nordic would have bought them. Sure. Right. Um, or other like another option would be that like Activision cleans up their act and gets rid of Bobby Kotick, which they were not going to do. No, there was or no. Microsoft steps in and buys them. And like maybe this is the best possible scenario considering what we were dealing with. Yeah, but that's weird to say. It's well, not that's like fun to admit. Yeah, and I think like the, you know, the best I think realistically, the best case scenario would have been and this isn't realistic, but in a dream world, I think the best case scenario was that all of their properties get sold off individually to other companies and Activision as it is goes away. Okay, Um, but but Activision was printing money still like even even in even being just a horrible, horrible company that literally drove their employees to suicide. Yeah, literally. They were still printing money like they were the evil, evil, evil company. And so like that was never going to happen. So this may be, yeah, the best possible outcome. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah, this is it's weird for sure. Yeah. Unprecedented. Absolutely. And annoying that the deal's going to take a year and a half to close. So we're not going to see the effects of it for like a decade. Well, yeah, yeah. And you know, it's going to. Well, I will say I think there's a chance I'm pretty sure. I could be I'm just going from memory, so I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure with the Bethesda stuff that some of that stuff started showing up on Game Pass before all of that was finalized. Fair. Um, so I do think we could start to see Activision stuff trickle onto Game Pass and things like that in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also sure and we've already heard this, like there are going to be a lot of government reviews on this. To decide okay. whether or not this is OK. <laughs> yeah. Now, do I think that they'll stop it? No, there's no way, because honestly, because Disney like, bought Fox. Yeah, di- right. There's precedent. And like it, it, there's, you know, you have like the monopoly argument. And then and I was talking to Neil about it this morning. There's the the horizontal consolidation argument, um, which is just essentially like. Two companies that are kind of at the same level coming together. Right. A publisher and, buying a publisher rather than like, because no one's mad that Nintendo bought next level games. We were all celebrating right. that and kind of wishing that they would have bought Alpha Dream because those right. are, it's a small developer. They need support. It's, it's not like creating a monopoly like this might be. The way that I saw it described online was that Microsoft and Activision together uh, would be third place and no one is bringing in antitrust laws for third place. Correct. Yeah, and I, I will, as far as like monopoly stuff goes, it's uh, monopoly requires a much larger percentage of the market be owned by a single entity than just Microsoft, even with Bethesda and all that owning Activision. Like, there's still there is still a large portion of gaming. The majority yep. of gaming is still not owned by Microsoft. So, like, yeah. it's not it, it is not by definition a monopoly. And then it's like the horizontal consolidation thing. You can argue that a console maker and especially something like Microsoft 
is not on the same tier as Activision. Like Microsoft is not just a publisher. So that argument as well, I I don't know that. I think any company that can drop 70 billion on another company is inherently not at the same level as the company they just bought. I think the fact that you can spend that much money kind of elevates you to a different level. Unless we make up new rules, like I I don't think this is getting stopped. I, I think this is happening. If Comcast hasn't been hit by antitrust, sure. Then, yeah, yeah, that's well. That's yeah. If if we're gonna start <laughs> pursuing this, like this Which, is hey, the least of we our should worries. Start pursuing Comcast, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. It's just like everybody's getting up in arms about this particular antitrust situation. It's like I don't care this much about video games being in a monopoly. I wouldn't phrase it that way. But I definitely do feel like, hey, Comcast, what's up? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Let's let's deal with Internet service providers in this country. Right. When you have when you have those other precedents, it's very hard to be like, no, this is the one, especially when I feel like like any any government organization that's like, should we go after these guys? Then somebody else in their office is going to go. You mean the guys we were just suing for being terrible and are now owned by a much better yeah. company like no why are, no we want this to happen this yeah, is good. yeah i i would i would never say that we shouldn't pursue this problem because there is a bigger problem but sure. right that's I, fair I, I i would say i was being hyperbolic i would say this one's gonna get ignored because they're ignoring a bigger one well yeah and i think i'm okay with it <laughs> This is this is a let like if ever there were a lesser evil situation in video games, uh, here you go. This is it. And I do agree with John that it's not exactly a monopoly yet. Like Disney buying Fox, they're still, you know, it's like five major studios in Hollywood. There's probably well, the government just looked at Rise of Skywalker and was like, they're not going to be a monopoly. We're fine. (laughs) I think there's there's like several dozen major publishers in video games. That's I I also think and maybe this is just because it it hasn't been as monopolized yet, but but it does feel like in video games there's more room for a smaller publisher to rise up. Like there's more room for new yeah, competition like appearing. Devolver, mm. um you have developers like CD Project Red who are, yeah. you know, like Cyberpunk didn't go great for them, but like it did on PC and they seem to be fine. Yeah, I think there's there's a line between what is good for the industry and what is legal. Is this yeah. good for the industry? <laughs> Probably not. Is yeah. this legal? Absolutely. And even is it good for the industry in this per- specific use case? Maybe. I, I, think, I don't know. I think one of you said neutral. <laughs> like, like I, I don't know. Yeah. I think whatever your position is, whatever, if it's positive or negative, there's a very good case to be made for it. Yeah. I I definitely don't recoil in horror at this like I did the Disney Fox deal. I will say, and this partly comes from being uh, an Xbox fanboy. I immediately, when this news came out, was like, I need to go to Twitter because the Sony fans might (laughs) be breaking right now. Like, I like I just need to see what's happening because I I relish the ridiculous console war between xbox and playstation and i think that's my favorite thing that's come out of this yeah is just the utter shit show that's developed on twitter from the sony fan base. as a pc gamer with a playstation i'm fine oh yeah <laughs> well and that's like i didn't like i don't care if my games are multi-platform but i i do find it funny when obsessive fanboys freak the fuck out <laughs> so 
especially ones who bought their consoles for the exclusives. Mm-hmm. Microsoft publishes their games on Steam, so like I've got nothing Microsoft, to worry about. Microsoft published whatever that one game was on PS5. Uh the one Death Bethesda Loop? one. They did. Yeah. Deathloop, yeah. Yeah, that's a Microsoft published game. That was, in fairness, that was an existing legal contract, but yeah. still. Like ha- Halo Infinite is on Steam, not on PC, on now, Steam. You don't get the full featured cross save version on Steam, or did they fix that yet? I don't know. Okay. The PC version doesn't work anyway. No, the PC version. They just they just rolled out uh, an update to to make Big Team Battle function again. Oh, and, good. And like <laughs> like two hours later, the community manager was like, "Shit, sorry guys, it doesn't work." <laughs> <laughs> and just then an hour after that, the the marketing email went out saying, "We put out a patch that fixed Big Team Battle." Watching that game evolve on the two different fronts of like the Xbox players being like, yeah, this is a pretty flawless experience. And the PC players be like, oh, God, everything's broken. My buddy was telling me today that they were doing a big team battle in a private match between just him and like 10 friends. And they like halfway through the match, seven of them just dropped. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, when I was playing with you guys and I was on Xbox and you were on PC, I was seeing incredible new things that I had that I had never seen and have yet to see since. <laughs> like none yeah. of those things, like the all of like the 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 videos you'll see of like the the starting lineup where you have all the Spartans, like the four Spartans in a row, and then one of them is just like <laughs> off in a corner. That yeah. does not happen on console. Oh wow, that is a Dude, PC thing. <laughs> I have never seen it happen on a console only match. And these guys are supposed to be a monopoly. Yeah, we're fine. (laughs) We're fine. It's very funny to me that the day before this deal was announced, Phil Spencer said, yeah, I feel like Sony making their own Game Pass is inevitable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it. well, they've already announced something like is a project Spartacus, right? They haven't announced anything, but like we can see that it's the pieces are coming together. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They're very clearly it's it's like when Nintendo was like, we're not releasing a new switch. And we're like, well, we have this receipt for a bunch of screens. And they're like, ah, we don't know what that is. I'm like, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, I think we'll call that an episode. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you have thoughts on the whole Xbox, Activision, Blizzard, and King thing, I always forget to add King on the end of that. I think that's technically involved in here. Uh, you can send those. Yeah. You can send those to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. If you've sent us listener mail, we have it, uh, but there was there was a listener mail that I wanted to cover, but I wanted to wait for Neil to be here, so we'll get to it. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at ConnectivityNWR. If you're listening to this somewhere where you can rate podcasts, you could do that. That would be lovely. Share it with a friend. Share it with your dog, who for some reason is very attentive to podcasts and exhibits intelligence that you find disturbing, but like, what are you going to do about it? It's a dog. Nobody would believe you if you told anybody. And yeah. I think that's it. Thank you guys very much for joining me. Of course. uh, Thank you for having me. We will see you all next time. Goodbye. Bye. This was made possible by our generous supporters on Patreon. Check out patreon.com slash nwr for all the details.